Happy Palm Sunday. Uh, we recognize this day as the Sunday before the Lord went and hung on that cross. We recognize it as that day that he made his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. As he went up that road on that borrowed donkey. As they threw the palm branches down in front of him. And they yelled hosannas to the king. The king of Israel. We'll talk about that a little bit today. I do want to thank you so much for praying for my mother. Many of you have mentioned it this morning as I came around and, and greeted you. So appreciate the prayers. We thought we was going to lose her. And the Lord just brought her right back. Uh, she is, uh, she, I, she's not 100% yet, but I'd say about 95 and uh, I'm so thankful the Lord has helped her, and uh, she's precious to us, and I thank you for your prayers. I ask for you now to pray for me as I try to preach this message. The Lord gave me this message several years ago as I was studying his word and, and thinking about a thought, and that thought was, what would a rock say? What would a stone say if I didn't call out his name? If I didn't say anything, would the stone say something in my place? And if you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 19, be taking our text from, and we're not going to read the entire triumphal entry uh, passages this morning, I will tonight, but this morning we want to look at verses 37 through 40 of Luke chapter 19, and if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word this morning, Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 37. And here the Bible says, And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Yeah. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning, Lord, begging for your help. Lord, for your grace, your mercy. Lord, help us open our minds, open our hearts. God, just let, let your word go in and do a mighty work in our lives this morning. Lord, we'll give you the glory and the praise for it. For these things we ask in the precious name of Jesus. And amen. You can be seated. You know, I can't help but think there's something missing in most church services today. Uh, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. I was born in 66. I, I grew up in the 70s and 80s going to churches all over uh, Knox County, East Knoxville. Uh, my, my mother sang in a gospel group, and we went with her everywhere she went. We sung in every little bitty teeny tiny church all the way to great big churches. And... I notice a vast difference in today's church atmosphere. It seems today that people are almost ashamed to vocally uh, give their praises to the Lord in the church service. Now, we hear every now and then an amen, a hallelujah, or that's right, or something like that, a few praises on occasion. But I feel like as blood-bought children of God, we ought to not hold everything back. Now, I am all for order in a service. I believe that God's service ought to be orderly. I don't believe we ought to 
go crazy or anything. And I don't believe in working up something just to work something up. I believe it ought to be real. And I believe it ought to be the Holy Ghost that gets a hold of you and causes you to want to vocally say something about the Lord, to praise His holy name. Now, listen, last year, November 13th, I believe it was, out at Nayland Stadium, I, and I'm not knocking you if you went to, I, that's fine. I'm all for you going to a ball game, okay? But on November 13th, Tennessee hosted Georgia here in Nayland Stadium. Now, according to the Ball Network, there was 100,074 people in that stadium that day. There was probably more than that. That's how many they counted. And out of all those people, I don't know how many were Christians in that crowd. I'm sure several thousand, maybe even more than half the crowd that there was a Christian. But no doubt in that crowd, these same Christians, they yelled, they screamed, they shouted, they hooped, they hollered, they stood, they waved their hands. They, I mean, they really got into it. Just watch, watch it on television if you don't believe me. And by the way, Tennessee lost that game. <laughs> but all these hundreds of thousands of people, no doubt many of them Christians, out just vocally praising the football team. And like I said, I don't have any problems with that. If you're one of those folks that go out and do that, by all means, do it. Go all out. But let me ask you this. If a Christian can get all uh, out of their normal element, if they can get up and vocalize and scream and shout and holler at a football game, then why on earth would a Christian lay in bed on a Sunday morning and contemplate whether or not they're going to go into the house of God? How can a Christian come into the house of God, hear God's word preached, hear songs sung about the Lord Jesus, and not want to vocally say something about it, not want to praise the Lord with their lips? Why is that? Most churches that I go to and ones I've pastored, most have Baptist bullfrogs that sit in the back and feed me. They don't want to really get involved. A lot of places I've been, more spectators than they are participators. But I believe that there ought to be something about us. There ought to be enough Holy Ghost inside of us that gets us excited when we hear about the Lord Jesus who saved us from our sins and brought us out of the, the burning coals of hell. Uh, can you imagine if you wasn't saved today and your eyes closed in death? Where would you be? You'd be in hell. Well, thankfully, as a Christian, as somebody that believes in the Lord Jesus, that we don't have to go there. We ought to be glad about it and excited about it. Let me direct your attention back to our text there in verses 37 and 38 in Luke 19. And it's where the people, when they saw Jesus coming in the way, the Bible says the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a little bitty quiet voice. Is that what your Bible says? Mine don't either. You know what my Bible says? My Bible says a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Did you see that? Begin to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. They wanted everyone to hear that they knew who was coming up that road. That's Jesus. That's the king of all kings. And the Bible says they were had a loud voice. They didn't care who saw them. They didn't care who heard them. They saw the king coming. They reared back and let it rip. Well, now, granted, a lot of this crowd may have been there just the next week yelling out, crucify him. But at this moment in time in history, the Lord Jesus Christ is being recognized as the king of kings. And that is, he is the Lord of lords, the mighty strong tower 
And they're rejoicing over that fact. It says in the Gospel of John 12 and 13, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, if you read this passage of Scripture like we did this morning there in, in verse, what was it, verse 39, there was some there that didn't like it. They couldn't stand the fact that these people were yelling out hosannas, that these people were getting all excited, and it was the religious crowd. Do you notice that? It's the religious crowd that got upset. It wasn't the world. The world didn't come over and say, look at that, look at how they're treating. No, it was the religious crowd. You know, those long gown flowing, wearing, uh, standing on the street corner praying, oh, Lord, I'm glad I'm not like this man over It's those guys. They're up there and they're saying, hey, master, and they're calling him master here, not, not their lord and master, but teacher. Uh, listen here, master, you need to rebuke your disciples. Do you hear what they're doing? And what they were saying was that they were putting Jesus up on the same level as God. And, of course, he is God. But to these Pharisees, they didn't recognize that. And they were saying, this is, this is not right. You need to rebuke them. Make them shut up. We don't want to hear that. Shut them up. Do you know that the religious crowd today wants to shut you up too? Oh, you can't say anything in church. You need to come in. It needs to be all solemn. You should come in and be reverent. May I say to you today, being reverent is recognizing who Jesus is. It doesn't mean you've got to sit around until you can hear a pin drop on the carpet. <laughs> Listen, these religious crowd, they wanted to shut up the, the people that was praising Jesus. And although the world's not mentioned telling them to shut up, the world today wants to shut the church up. They don't want to hear you praising Jesus. They don't want to hear the name Jesus. In fact, you say the name Jesus in a public place today, and it causes problems. People have a bad problem with you. You can say God all day long because there's many gods. A lot, this world worships all kinds of gods. But you start mentioning the Lord Jesus Christ, my master, my Lord, my savior, that causes problems. People don't like that. And so if the world had their way, they would shut us up. They would get rid of the church. You know, we can't have police officers putting crosses on their cars. Forbid, we can't do that. You know, we don't want crosses in the public places. The Ten Commandments on the wall. What kind of place is this? Now, Scott gave everybody here a stone. Does everybody have one of those stones? If you don't have one, uh, raise your hand let me know. We'll get you one. Everybody's got one. All right. Now, that stone, regardless of what you may think, is not to stone me with before I'm done. Uh, this stone right here, there's nothing special about these stones at all. Nothing special. Except we washed them. Uh, there's nothing special about them. These stones can't think. These stones can't speak normally. They can't breathe. They're cold, dead, silent, lifeless, and soulless. Yet in this passage of scripture that we just read in the Gospel of Luke says that there are certain conditions where these stones have the ability to cry out. Can you imagine that little stone right there in your hand crying out? Mine's not saying anything. Mine's not making a peep. Jesus told these religious nuts here, 
He says, I tell you that if these, and he means these that are yelling out his name, these that are praising him, these that are shouting hosannas, these that are putting palm branches, if these should hold their peace, in other words, if this crowd shuts up like you want them to, and like you're telling me to tell them to do, I tell you what, these stones will cry out in their place. If these hold their peace, the stones will immediately cry out. They can't help but do it. All of creation can cry out to the Lord Jesus. Did you know the very first stone mentioned in the Bible is an onyx stone? An onyx stone. God created a river that ran out of the Garden of Eden. There in that beautiful place. He made a river there. And that river exited out of Eden. It branched out into four different rivers. The very first of those rivers branched off. And it was a river, river named Pison. Which means to increase... That river watered the land of Havilah, where the Bible says there was gold, bdellium, and what? An onyx stone. Onyx stone. These onyx stones, let me read it to you. Genesis 2, verses 10 through 12. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison, that is it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. There is bdellium and the onyx stone. You see, the onyx stone, and these are not onyx stones, by the way. These are not worth really anything. The onyx stone was a very important stone. It was highly sought out. It was very valuable. They made jewels out of these. The onyx stone was placed on each shoulder there of the ephod of the high priest when he had all the 12 tribes of Israel inscribed into him. And those onyx stones were on his shoulders as he entered into the, to the holy temple. And so what do you think these onyx stones might say if we were to hold, hold our peace? What do you think they may say? Well, I perhaps think they may say, I was a stone that was wonderfully formed by God. I was placed there in the river that flowed from the Garden of Eden. And I was made a beautiful stone that's highly sought after. In fact, I stood on the shoulders of the high priest as he entered into the holy place. And if you will not shout his holy name, I will praise his holy name for he is worthy. That's what the onyx stone might say. As we move further through the Bible, and we're going through the Bible, friends. As we go through the Bible, we find another significant stone mentioned. In Genesis chapter 28, verses 18 through 22, the Bible says, And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Do you see what's happened here? Oh my goodness, we, we find here uh, Jacob there as he's there in this land and, and he puts up these stones. If you remember what had happened, God had visited him on that ladder that came down from heaven oh, and revealed itself to him and, and, and made him his own. And, and what do you think that stone might say that he set up there for that altar unto God? 
How about I was a stone that Jacob Israel rested his head upon in the land of Bethel. As he dreamed of a ladder reaching into heaven with the Lord on top. He set me up for a pillar to honor God and vowed that he would forever live for him. So I will praise his name if you don't utter a sound. I will praise his name for he is worthy. That may be what that stone might say there. The stone that was in Bethel. As we keep going, look at Exodus chapter 17. Another stone, a very important stone that's mentioned. Exodus 17, 11 through 16. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. And the one on one side and the, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. And rehearse it under the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. What do you think that stone may have said? Or may say today the one that was under Moses and was helping him rest as, as the children of Israel were defeating Amalek. What do you think that stone might say? He might say, I was the stone. I was placed under Moses as he rested on me. He was too weary to stand, but I provided him rest. I provided him comfort while he interceded for God on God for the people's, uh, for the people's behalf, the children of Israel. And they won the battle. They discomfited Amalek. I am that stone and I will praise his holy name if you don't do it I sure will because he's worthy he's worthy speaking of Moses as we continue our journey through the scriptures we come across a collection of stones that would forever go down in history look at Exodus chapter 24 and verse 12 Exodus 24 and 12 and the Lord said unto Moses come up to me in the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone, and a law, and commandments which I've written, that thou mayest teach them. Further in Exodus thirty-one eighteen, the Bible says, And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of the communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. What do you think these stones might say? Well, I can imagine these stones may say, well, listen, all these other stones are great and all. But I was the very stone that the Lord, with his own finger, put down those Ten Commandments, put down those laws in there to give to his people. I am that stone. And if you don't say anything, if you won't praise him, I sure will because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Look, we can't overlook the twelve stones that, that we find of Joshua in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, we read of a stone. Actually, 12 stones. Then Joshua called the 12 men, whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, and out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone. Upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, 
What mean ye by these stones? Then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan. As the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. And carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged. And laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan. In the place where the feet of the priest which bared the ark of the covenant stood. And they are there unto this day. Now, I imagine that these twelve stones, they may sing out in harmony. We were the twelve stones that the children of Israel collected there at the bottom of the river Jordan as they crossed over safely, as they stacked us up unto a memorial unto God to show where he had brought them from. We will cry out his name forever. We will. If you don't, we sure will. Because why? He's worthy. He's worthy. Are you still with me? I'm not finished yet. I'm reminded of what the Bible says over in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 48 and 50. Listen to it. Everybody will, will know this, this passage of Scripture, 1 Samuel 17, 48. It came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David. But David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag. And he took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. <laughs> what a testimony that stone would have. Can you imagine what it may say? If we refuse to glorify God with our voices, if we just decide we're going to shut up, let the world tell us to be quiet about this Jesus, if we're going to let the religious crowd say, you need to be real quiet in church, don't be making a bunch of noise now. If we're going to allow that to happen to us, then I want you to know this one stone that David had in that sling. Can you imagine what he's got to say? Hey, I was the stone that the next king, King David, Picked up off the ground. He put it in his sling as I saw that giant coming at, at me. That uncircumcised Philistine as he was headed straight toward us. David let me, or he, he reared back and let me go. And I flew through the air. It, you should have seen it. I was something as I went through the air. And I hit that big giant right in the middle of the forehead. And you know what? He went down. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. And let me tell you something. If you won't praise him, if you will sit there with your mouth shut, if you refuse to give glory to the king of all kings, then I will do it. I'll do it in your place. Because I was the stone that took down the giant, that God guided the hand of David, who defeated the Philistines. I was the one. And I will praise his name because he is worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Well, as we go out of the Old Testament and we get into the New, uh, there is a, a young, full of the Holy Ghost preaching deacon. His name is Stephen. Stephen was standing before the Sanhedrin council, and they were questioning him about his doctrine. 
And so he started taking them back through the scriptures, the Old Testament. He didn't have the New Testament. He started taking them back in the Old Testament and working his way forward, similar to what we did right now, and pointing out the signs of the Messiah. He pointed out all the ills of the Pharisees and that type of thinking. And he pointed them toward Christ. And they did not want to hear it. They wasn't having any of it. So let me tell you what happened. Acts 7 and 54. Acts 7 and 54. After he went through his whole message and they refused to listen. Acts 7 and 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I imagine these stones that crushed the skull of the precious Stephen. As he stood and proclaimed the name of the Lord Jesus... They would most likely cry out, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Praise to the matchless eternal one. I will praise his name. I was used to take out one of the most precious preachers, one of the most precious men of God. I was used in that. But all the glory that I saw when Stephen looked up and saw the Lord standing on the right hand of the Father. So if you're going to sit there and you're not going to utter a word, if you're going to keep your peace, i tell you what, I'm going to say something about it. I'll praise His name because He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Listen, I imagine this next stone, this last one we're going to talk about, Actually, this is the second from last. Two more stones I want to mention. Matthew chapter 21, verse 42. Matthew 21 and 42. The Bible says, Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same is becoming the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say... Say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Now, this is, we know, a direct quote from the Psalms. The psalmist writes in 118.22, The stone which the builders refused has become the head, stone of the corner. Also in Isaiah 28, 16, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. I imagine, <laughs> I imagine if this stone cried out, he would bear testimony to the wondrous works of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. 
I imagine this stone, this very chief cornerstone himself, might cry out, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. I imagine that's what this chief cornerstone may say. But finally, the last stone we want to mention, with this being the, the Holy Week leading up unto the Holy Day, the Resurrection Sunday, today being Palm Sunday, this event happened after that in three days. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 6. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 6. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the, to the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. <laughs> I imagine this stone, and this was a large stone. This wasn't one of these little small ones that I handed out. This was a very large stone that had been rolled over the entrance to that tomb. Did that stone have to be moved for the Lord to come out of there? No. In fact, the Lord was gone when that stone got rolled away. The Lord didn't have to have that stone rolled away. That stone was rolled away as proof for you and for me to gaze into that tomb and say, where's he at? It's empty. And that angel said, well, he said he was going to go. He said he was going to do that in three days. Did you not, do you not remember that? So I can imagine this stone, what he might say if we hold our peace. I imagine the stone standing and saying, I was the stone they placed over the tomb of our precious Lord Jesus. They thought that they could keep him in there. They thought that I was keeping him in there. They thought they could seal me around and keep him from coming out. But I want you to know from the other side of my, my back, I saw him come out of there. And he didn't have to move me. He just came and went up. He came out of there. So listen, if you're going to sit there with your mouth shut, I'm going to say something because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Do you believe that today? Do you believe the Lord's worthy of our praise? Why do we sit back and say, no, Lord, I'm not going to say nothing. You know me. I'll be embarrassed. I can't say nothing in church. Oh, come on. Come on, when we hit the, hit the streets of glory, when we get up on those golden streets and all that splendor around us, you better believe our voices are going to be raised. We're going to be saying, Hosanna to the King of all kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus my Savior. We're going to be praising His name. And you're not going to be quiet about it. There's not going to be little peepers up there. Not going to be anybody up there saying, I praise you, Jesus. No, we're going to be so excited. Friends, it's going to be a time like you've never seen in your life. Oh, it's going to be an experience like you've never experienced when we stand before the King of glory. When we stand before the Savior of all men. When we stand before the One that rose up from that grave in three days like He said He would. Oh, I guarantee you, 
you won't be able to hold your peace. There'll be no rocks crying out in my place. There'll be none down here either, by the way, crying out in my place. Can you say the same? Are you going to take this rock with you? Take it with you to church and say, I'll tell you what, I don't want this rock speaking out for me. This rock ain't going to say anything in my place. I'm going to do it myself. Because why? He's worthy! He's worthy! He's worthy! Amen! I'm so glad today that Jesus is worthy. He saved my rotten soul. When I was only six years old, He saved me. And I've been saved ever since. Oh, I didn't lose my salvation like some places teach. Oh, no, friends. You've been saved. If the Lord can save you, the Lord can keep you. Amen. Unto the day of redemption. Amen. Listen, friends. Oh, I tell you what. He is worthy. He's worthy of our praise. And I am not. I refuse to allow a stone to speak for me. I refuse to do it. Amen. Listen. I don't know everybody's testimony here. I don't know your heart. But I do know this. If you don't know this Savior, if there's something in you that cannot praise His name because you don't know Him, would you make today the day that you meet Jesus? Oh, friends, it's simple. It's, there's nothing complicated. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That he came here to die for you on the cross to save you from your sins. That he was buried and he rose again on the third day. And now he sits on the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. Can you believe that today? Can you? Let's all stand together. Go ahead, Brother Scott, get an invitation song. I'll turn the service back over to you. If you need help today, if you need to come to the altar for any reason, I'd love to pray with you. You come on down.